Uh, I would like to start by thanking you and thanking you, Ross, for uh, Ross thanked uh, me for, for being here uh, for the next four weeks. Uh, I want to thank you for asking me back for four weeks. Um, I don't know what you're letting yourself in for. Hopefully it's good. Um, but it's really a pleasure for Lindsay and I to be back, and it's an honor, and I really mean it. It's humbling to be asked by a church to come and speak for four weeks. Uh, I consider preaching to be an honor in itself, uh, and when a congregation is willing to have you come back, it really is an encouragement to me and the gifting that God's given us and what God's doing in our life. So, so thank you very much. Um, and I would say, may I wish you a happy new year, but I don't believe there are happy years. I don't think anyone can go through a year happy, and I also don't believe in wishing. Uh, but I, I do pray, and Lindsay and I pray, that this year is a, an, another year where you will sense God's presence amongst you through thick and thin, uh, through the good times and the bad. Uh, and Ross has let me know that there have been some difficult things for a lot of you to deal with at the moment without giving me the details. So, so please know that you will certainly be in Lindsay and I's prayers. Um, so uh, tonight um, we're going to be starting a, a series, four-week series, on the subject of peace. Um, and before I begin that, I would like to, to pray. Father, um, just a, a short prayer, a request that you would speak through me this evening. I pray, Lord, that, that the human aspect of me and my voice and the words that I choose to use tonight, Lord, would be disregarded, um, but that your voice would speak through all of that. Lord, I ask that you prepare all of our hearts to hear what you have to say to us this evening. Uh, we know, Lord, that your word does not return to you void, and we know that you want to speak to us, so prepare us to hear and to listen, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. May the day of my birth perish, and the night it was said, a boy is born. That day may it turn to darkness. May God above not care about it. May no light shine upon it. May darkness and deep shadow claim it once more. May a cloud settle over it. May blackness overwhelm its light. That night may thick darkness seize it. May it not be included among the days of the year, nor be entered in any of the months. May that night be barren. May no shout of joy be heard within it. May those who curse days curse that day. Those who are ready to rouse Leviathan. May its morning stars become dark. May it wait for daylight in vain and not see the first rays of dawn. For it did not shut the doors of the womb on me to hide trouble from my eyes. Why did I not perish at birth and die as I came from the womb? Why were there knees to receive me and breasts that I might be nursed? For now I would be lying down in peace. I would be asleep and at rest with kings and counselors of the earth who built for themselves places now lying in ruins with rulers who had gold who filled their houses with silver. Or why was I not hidden in the ground like a stillborn child, like an infant who never saw the light of day? There the wicked cease from turmoil, and there the weary are at rest. Captives also enjoy their ease. They no longer hear the slave driver shout. The small and the great are there, and the slave is freed from his master. Why is light given to those in misery, and life to the bitter of soul, to those who long for death that does not come, who search for it more than for hidden treasure, who are filled with gladness and rejoice when they reach the grave. Why is life given to a man whose way is hidden from God has hedged in? For sighing comes to me instead of food. My groans pour out like water. What I feared has come upon me. What I dreaded has happened to me. I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest, but only turmoil. 
No, it's not uh, Nietzsche. It's not some secular, uh, hopeless um, text. It's the Bible. It's Job, the words of Job. And you actually hear those words throughout Scripture, <laughs> especially the Old Testament. Why was I born? And some of the language and imagery that Job uses is really very uncomfortable, stillborn babies and things like that. It's, it's someone in deep distress. Uh, and the first of our four series uh, of sermons is on being at peace with yourself. And Job doesn't seem to be too much in peace. And uh, in Ross's prayer earlier, he mentioned Galatians 5, 22 to 25, uh, which really turns this Job thing on its head. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is peace. And peace is integral. Peace is integral to God. Integral means that you can't have God without it. Peace is integral to God. Peace is integral to Jesus. Peace is integral to the Holy Spirit. Peace, it is integral to the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel. Without peace, God is not God. Without peace, Jesus is not Jesus. Without peace, the Holy Spirit is not the Holy Spirit. And without peace, the good news of Jesus Christ is not the good news of Jesus Christ. It is not the gospel. I'm not saying it is the gospel, but without peace, there is no good news. Yes, it is joy and hope and uh, repentance and coming to faith and salvation, but it is also peace. And if you take peace out of the gospel, then you have no gospel at all. Peace is integral to God, to Jesus, to the Holy Spirit, and to the gospel that we as Christians proclaim. And God wants so much for us to have peace. He wants peace to be an integral part of us. There is no law against peace. And it is clear that Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God, and his disciples want you to have peace. God does not want you to have disagreement within yourself. He does not want you to have hatred within yourself. He does not want discord within yourself. He does not want agitation, anxiety, disharmony, distress. He does not want you fighting within yourself. He does not want frustration, not upset, not war, not worry. God wants you to have peace. Paul teaches it quite clearly in Romans 14, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. In Colossians 3, <clears throat> it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Jesus commands it. The woman with the bleeding, I don't know if you know this story, if you've been in the church a long time, you will. There was a woman who had serious issues with bleeding, who reached out to touch Jesus' cloak, and Jesus was aware that power had gone from him. And what did he say to her? He said, go in peace. The woman who anointed his feet with oil, who was criticized, Jesus said, go in peace. His disciples, when he appeared to them after his crucifixion, he said, go in peace, or peace be with you, words to that effect. Jesus gives peace. And when he's comforting and teaching his disciples, on more than one occasion, he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. 
I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. That's in John 14. And also, I have told you these things so that, you may, that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. That's John 16. The apostles offer peace. Almost every New Testament letter begins with a variation of grace and peace to you. Everyone, almost everyone, grace and peace to you. Romans 1, 7, 1 Corinthians 1, 3, 2 Corinthians 1, 2, Galatians 1, 3, Ephesians 1, 2, Philippians 1, 2, Colossians 1, 2, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus, Philemon, 1 Peter, 2 Peter, 2 John, 3 John, Jude, and Revelation. And it's the first thing they say after saying, by the way, I'm Paul, or by the way, I'm Peter, or this letter is to you. The first thing is peace grace and peace to you. And it pops up throughout the letters later on, throughout the letters, like in Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him. And in 2 Thessalonians 3, 16, now may the Lord of peace Himself give you peace at all times and in every way. I don't think you can argue with me <laughs> on that point, that God wants us to have peace. If, I ever, if this has been recorded, I'm going to be listening back and going, I'll listen to going, peace! Let's say it higher. God knows we need it. And we know we need it. In Job 3, I mean, there's an example of someone who has no peace. May the day of my birth perish. And the night that I said a boy is conceived, that day may it turn to darkness. God knows people can get like that. I know people can get like that. I have been there many, many years ago when I su suffered from depression. And in Romans 7, even Paul doesn't go quite as far as that, but he does call himself a wretched man. In Romans 7, 15 to 19, and in verse 24, he says, I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, I, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but rather the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. What a wretched man I am! Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? This is the man who says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. The one that God chose, without Paul we probably wouldn't have the gospel. And he says, I am a wretched man. I do not do the things I want to do, and the things I don't want to do, I do. And these are not the only examples of people in anguish within themselves for whatever reason that can be found in Scripture. The Bible is so relevant to people today, so relevant. If people ever have an idea that Christians do not know what it is like to be a human being in this world, then they are naive. The Bible is a great source for people to draw upon. Whenever, if someone came to me and said, I'm struggling, I have no peace, I would not necessarily send them to, um, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you'll be saved. I'll send them to the Psalms. Because there is something comforting in knowing that God has grace for these people as much as He has for us. 
Now, here's the big question, though. Can we be at peace with ourselves? I think, obviously, if Jesus and Paul and all the apostles are saying, be peace be with us, and the answer is yes, but let's explore this. Because <clears throat> I'm not sure a lot of people really believe that we can be at peace with ourselves. And we're going to look in the following weeks at other things like peace with others, peace with our world, you know, the world that we have around us, and peace with God. That's what we will be doing. But this week we ask, can we be at peace with ourselves? Can we be in agreement with, can I be, okay, can I be in agreement with myself? Can I not hate myself? Can I not be agitated by myself? Can I not be distressed by myself? Can I not be frustrated by myself? Can I not be upset with myself? Can I not be at war with myself? Can I not worry about myself? Those are big questions. Uh, and I think to kind of look at it in different ways, well, let's start physically. I mean, where are you just now? Are you excelling physically? Do you feel able? Do you feel not able, less able than you once were? How can you be at peace with that? It's hard to be at peace with ourselves when our body lets us down. It's hard to be at peace with ourselves when our body is ill or dying and under attack from viruses or various other things or assault. It's hard to be at peace with ourselves when our bodies are not right. It's hard to be at peace with ourselves when our peers' bodies are better than ours, when those of a similar age or people in a similar group, people within our church seem to be able to do more than we can. It can be hard to be at peace with our bodies when that is the case. Mentally, are you excelling? Super smart, are you intelligent? Are you not intelligent? Are you less intelligent than you were? Are you knowledgeable? <clears throat> are you not knowledgeable? It's hard to be at peace with ourselves when our mental capacity lets us down. It's hard to be at peace when our minds go into overdrive with negative thoughts, bad memories, regrets, or when our minds are ill. It's hard to be at peace with ourselves when our minds are not as sharp or knowledgeable as our peers. Emotionally, are you in control of your emotions? Are you not in control of your emotions? Do you have too much of one emotion? Do you have not enough of an emotion? It's hard to be at peace with ourselves when our emotions become too much for us to deal with. It's hard to be at peace with ourselves when others handle their situations and emotions better. They just seem so cool, calm, and collected. Why can't I cope with things the way they can? Relationally, do you excel in your relationships? Or are you relatable and confident? So are you relatable and confident? Are you relatable but not confident? Are you not relatable but confident? <laughs> People can't relate to you, but you're really confident with it. Are you not relatable and not confident? It's hard to be at peace with ourselves when our behavior negatively affects our relationships. When we know that we've put our foot in it or upset someone, it can be hard to be at peace with ourselves. When it's hard to be at peace with ourselves when we are wholly to blame or even partly responsible for a relationship breakdown or failure. And I confess I have been wholly responsible or partly responsible for a relationship breakdown with, with friends in the past. Somewhat responsible, and it's hard to be at peace with yourself when that kind of thing happens. It's hard to be at peace with ourselves when other people seem to be doing better. 
I mean, that could go for single people, couldn't it? It could be for people um, who have lost their partner for many years and they look at others who are in similar situations and think, how can they, how are they coping with this better than I am? It's hard to be at peace with ourselves when our relationships aren't the way that we would like them to be. Well, but financially, productively, achievingly, money, popularity, respect, humor, romance, whatever it is, are you excelling in those things? Are you doing all right? Are you getting by? Are you not getting by? Do you have debt? Is it fluctuating? Is it uncertain? It's hard to be at peace when we clearly fall short of the worldly standards of who we ought to be. You know, I should be a teacher. <laughs> Picking on my mom and dad a wee bit here. But they wanted so much for me to be a teacher. Um, and then when uh, uh, <laughs> things went on, they came round to the idea that I would be pursuing ministry. Um, but I think it still frustrates my mom that I don't just go for a charge in a church instead of chasing after punks and goths <laughs> and doing something that, that people will find quite difficult to, to grasp. Um, and it can be hard to be at peace with yourself when you know that your peers are earning more money or that they are doing better or say you were an artist or say you are an accountant but your peer, someone else, appears to be doing better than you or you get to a certain age and you should have 50,000 pounds in the bank for your children and you think I've only got 5,000 pounds in the bank for my children. Some of you might be thinking they're not getting it. <laughs> but it doesn't matter what age we are, there's always a worldly standard that we can be tempted to be drawn into and feel that somehow we'll fall short of it. And it's hard to be at peace with ourselves. I've actually been having a little thing on Facebook today uh, where people have been joining in on this conversation. And it's really about <coughs> females and the pressure that are on females and that every TV show, um, a sitcom, uh, when it comes to a lunch scene and a TV program, the women are always eating some tiny little salad out of a tiny little Tupperware. Uh, and <laughs> I'm kind of going off topic here a little bit, but it's been interesting to see the people uh, who have been jumping in on what Lindsay posted regarding that particular issue. Uh, and, and people coming on and saying, well, you know, this is an, an issue with uh, worldly standards for women that, oh, well, when it comes to lunch for women, like guys can sit and have a cheeseburger. It doesn't matter when it comes to women, then they've got to be a little salad because, you know, if they have a cheeseburger, then that's unattractive and they're going to put on weight and that's terrible. Um, and it's actually been amazing that people who are not Christian have been jumping in on this post that Lindsay posted and clearly saying that they have no peace because before Christmas, especially women, are encouraged to gluttony. You're encouraged to indulge yourself in all this finest chocolate from Marks and Spencers or wherever. Uh, and then you have to buy all this food from Tesco or wherever. And it's all luxurious and gluttonous, really. We always end up with more food than we need at Christmas if we have the means to do so. And then when it gets to January, we're encouraged to get thin, or what I would rather say is you're shamed into vanity. So there's a worldly standard there as an example for women of this, eat, 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 oh, you're bad, you should get thin, 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 thin. And I don't think that's the only example of how the world draws any of us in, no matter our gender or our age, that there are standards that we fall short of. And it can be very hard to be at peace with ourselves when we see others excelling in those areas. And finally, morally, 
Are you excelling morally? Are you doing all right morally? Are you being a little immoral every now and again, or are you being totally immoral? It's hard to be at peace with ourselves when we are not thinking, saying, or doing the right things. And it's especially hard to be at peace with ourselves when we know we are not thinking, saying, or doing the right things. And it's hard to be at peace with ourselves when our peers appear to be doing better. So, how can we be at peace with ourselves? I mean, it's clear that I'm going to say, yes, we can, but how can we be at peace with ourselves? Well, before I get into what I believe Scripture says quite clearly about how we find peace within ourselves, I would like to make four points, uh, very quick points, don't worry. Uh, point number one, it is true that it is hard to be at peace with ourselves. We will fail. It is true. Our bodies, our minds, and our emotions will let us down. That is just a fact. We will make mistakes in our relationships. We will fall short of the standards the world sets for us, and we will fail morally on a daily basis. You may think, well, I don't do this and I don't do that. <laughs> Trust me, the, the more I get closer to God, the more I see things wrong with me, <laughs> you know? Uh, and we often think, well, it's the big sins that people commit. But the more we get closer to God, the more we realize there are lots of things that we're just we're never going to get to the bottom of it in this side, you know. Uh, we look forward to that glorious day in the twinkle of an eye where we're changed and we're set free from this body of death, you know, but we're always going to fail. It's a guarantee. We're not going to be perfect. And point number two, forget your peers. You are you. No one else was or ever will be you again. I tell this to kids in schools when Lindsay and I go in and teach about self-esteem and mental health. You are you. There has never been another you in all the history of the world. When you're gone, no one will ever replace you. Every single one of you are totally unique. Forget your peers. doesn't matter how I compare with you or compare with you. I am unique. I contribute something to the world that when I am gone, it will never ever be replaced in this earth. And that applies to every single one of you. Every one of you. Totally unique. Christian or not, it is true. So forget your peers. Desperately trying to get through to these young guys and young girls, look, you're unique. Because the biggest issue as a teenager is fitting in or being better than your peers. And it's based on this Facebook stuff. In fact, Facebook's not cool anymore, by the way. So if you want to talk to a teenager and say, you know, Facebook, they'd be like, Facebook? You know, <laughs> Instagram is, is kind of the thing that they're in. But they're desperate for likes. They're so desperate for likes. And they don't post pictures of themselves just on a daily basis. They might get annoyed at grandmum, granddad for taking a photo of them because they're like, I don't have all my makeup done, I've not contoured my face, I'm not wearing my favorite shirt, whatever. Forget your peers. What these young people don't realize and what we don't realize as adults is that we are totally unique. In fact, I'm doing a lesson tomorrow with first years, and one of the illustrations we use is that of a jigsaw. And we say, look, while you're in the school, there's a jigsaw being made here. And if you change who you are, then you've changed your piece of the jigsaw and that jigsaw is not going to look right. Because you fit the way you're meant to fit. And if you chop bits off and change who you are, then that jigsaw is not going to be right. The world is not going to be right if we change who we are to try and be someone else. 
So one, it's true that it's going to be hard to be at peace with ourselves. It will be hard. Not impossible, but it will be hard. And two, forget your peers. You're unique. Point three, it is worthwhile pursuing help for the above. We don't have time when we do sermons to go into everything that's mentioned in Scripture. Ross will know this from experience. She'd love to talk about more things in more depth. Saying that to Lindsay, one of the things about preaching at other churches, it's kind of like when we go into schools, I would love to spend more time in Bible study and discussion with you about the things that we, we talk about to answer questions and explore. But I would say that if there are physical, emotional, mental um, issues, self-esteem issues that you may be experiencing, it is definitely worthwhile pursuing help for the above, all the things we've mentioned. Relational help. You don't have to go to get medication and so on for most things, but you can start talking to someone. You might be worried to talk about some, something that you're struggling with in the church, but I encourage you to do so. You might think, well, they won't possibly understand, but one thing I know growing up in a Baptist church is that when you start to open up with people, you begin to realize that everyone's family is affected by something, that we're not naive, that we're not sheltered in the Baptist church, that the people that I grew up with in Cumbernauld Baptist Church, they had all sorts of issues in family, and people understand so you will not be alone if you open up and talk to Ross or someone else in the church about something you're struggling with. You'll probably find, as Lindy did this morning, saying to another woman in the church we attend about a certain issue, that she was like, totally, I totally understand. Relationally, get help. Talk to someone if you're struggling. And of course, with things like depression, of course, medical help and counseling is definitely worth pursuing. God has given us those things. But I always recommend speak to family, close friends, open up and talk about the things that you're struggling with. And Ross and your pastoral support here are here for you. So, one, it's true that it's going to be hard to be at peace. Two, forget your peers. Three, it is worthwhile pursuing help. And point four, God does actually tell us how we can experience peace, despite everything I've just said. Yes, it's going to be tough, but there is hope. And it seems to me that the first step to finding peace within yourself is to take your eyes off of yourself, not like some of the Eastern religions that suggest that we go into ourselves and that we find a center point and so on and so forth. The first step really to finding peace is to take your eyes off of yourself, to take your eyes off of others, to take your eyes off of worldly standards, and to simply, sounds simple, do the right thing, be wise, trust in God, accept His dis discipline, do as He asks, keep in step with the Spirit, be thankful, and of course, pray. And how do I know this? Is this just made up? No, I mean, this is, how did I prepare for this sermon? I was like, well, how do I find peace within myself? And this is what I found. Do the right thing. <clears throat> it certainly helps with the moral aspect. If you've got issues with sin that you feel you're struggling with, is do the right thing. Psalm 119 says, Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing can make them stumble. Isaiah 32, The fruit of that righteousness, righteousness will be peace. Its effect will be quietness and confidence forever. Isaiah 48, There is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. Or there's no rest for the wicked, as it was, I was always taught it. Isaiah 57, those who walk uprightly will enter into peace. They find rest as they lie in death. And in 2 Timothy uh, 2.22, 2 
Paul advises Timothy to flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Do the right thing. Now, you may be in a situation where you have done the wrong thing, but it is not too late to do the right thing, to fess up or to make amends or to stop. It is okay. You know, as I say, it's a new year, new year resolution, new minutes resolution. With Christ, you can have a new start at any point, any second, you can start again and do the right thing. You know, it's that, it's, it, I think what happens is we become afraid to confess, become, become afraid to do the right thing. We're worried about what we will lose or what people will think, but peace comes with doing the right thing. Because you may be getting away with it, but you have no peace. What's the point in getting away with something if you have no peace? You're not getting away with anything, are you? You're better to confront whatever issue you're dealing with, whatever situation you're dealing with, whatever relationship you are in that is causing you to stumble and fall and to do the right thing. I mean, even in talking about things like with my, my kids, you know, where it's possible where I get lose my patience because you're tired and they're driving you mad and you're like, oh, and they stop it. And you know, you raise your voice and then I'm kind of like, oh, I'm such a terrible father. <laughs> but in that moment, when I think, oh, that's a terrible thing, I can stop. I can do the right thing. And instead of dwelling on the bad things that I did, I mean, some, most of the songs we were singing about there was very much about putting the past behind and starting again. Do the right thing. You can put the past behind and do the right thing. Be wise. I won't read the whole of Proverbs 3, um, but here are some snippets on, uh, from Proverbs which I think highlight uh, kind of what peace is. Um, it's described as peace is, uh, wisdom is described as her ways are pleasant ways and all her paths are peace. Wisdom, her paths are peace. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. So the wisdom there is do not be envious. A man who is kind benefits himself, but a cruel man hurts himself. That's wisdom. What's the point in being cruel? The best example of that is watching Muppets Christmas Carol. I know that wasn't the original. <laughs> it's my favorite version of it. But Scrooge was at no peace because he did not do the right thing and he was not wise. He may have been wise in a financial sense, but he was cruel and he did himself only harm. And you see that his future was going to be a lonely death with no one mourning him, and that terrified him. Be wise. Do the right thing. Trust in God. Isaiah 20, 26, 3, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Psalm 43, 5, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Trust in God. Do the right thing. Be wise. Trust in God. Accept God's discipline. A Hebrews 12, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. You probably guess that a lot of these things are kind of the same thing and that they merge together. But here's where I think we can really start to get to the practical of how do we find peace. Yes, do the right thing and be wise and trust in God and accept His discipline, but keep in step with the Spirit. 
In Romans 8, Paul says, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. In Galatians 5, 22, he says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. In 2 Timothy 1, 7, he says, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Keep in step with the Spirit. Now, it might sound childish to say, but there is something about reading your Bible and praying every day. But sometimes we think, well, that means I read our daily bread and I read the little prayer at the end, and, and that can be a huge help for us, especially when we're struggling or we're going through a spiritual drought that we rely on something like our daily bread or a devotional. But keeping a step with the Spirit is very much about being open to God, spending time with God, not just talking to Him, but leaving space for Him to answer. It's remembering that you have the Holy Spirit. We have God living in us, the Holy Spirit, the Helper. Letting the Holy Spirit out, consulting the Holy Spirit on the decisions that we make, seeking God's face through the Spirit, praying in the Spirit. And I'm not talking about speaking in tongues or any of these things. I'm talking about spending time with God and not just reciting prayers. Spend time with God. Make time in your day to listen to God, keep in step with the Spirit. And that also means listening to your peers in the faith and consulting with them on situations and uh, how we should be doing things. It means listening to sermons and Bible study and all these things. These things help us to discern what the Spirit is saying. But keeping in step with the Spirit means we have to talk to God. We have to talk to the Spirit. We have to listen to the Spirit and not go with all the things we know as Christians that we've been taught since a young age. Because sometimes we realize that we don't quite see things the way that we'd always thought they were. That sometimes we hear things in church that we think are biblical, but they're actually not. They're, they're, they're close, but they're not quite. But if we're spending time in the Word and spending time in prayer, then we will get to know God better. You will get to know God better by the time you spend with Him rather than sitting listening to Ross, and that's nothing to do with Ross. It's just true. The sermons and the listening to the sermons and to listening to the tapes and the worship, all these things make a huge difference. They are essential. But Christ and the gospel is relationship, not religion, right? That's what we know. The whole point of being a Christian is to, to know God better, to have a relationship with Him, to be at peace with Him. And the best way to do that is to talk to Him and to listen to Him. And then they've got do as God asks, and all these things are doing as God asks. <clears throat> In Isaiah 48, God says, if only you had paid attention to my commands, your peace would have been like a river, as we sang, your well-being like the waves of the sea. God's basically saying, like, if you just listened to me and did what I asked, you wouldn't be in this mess. Now, that's a hard thing, doing as God asks. And, you know, there's lots of things clearly written, like love your neighbor as you love yourself, love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. We have Galatians and Ephesians have a list of things that we should do. We've got the fruit of the Spirit and the things that we should try to be. <clears throat> but what about when it comes to what does God want me to do now this year? Uh, what does God have in store for me now? Then that again comes to praying and being in step with the Spirit, but also consulting and talking with our brothers and sisters in Christ. What do they have to say? Interpreting together, trying to understand together, 
But if you have some knot in your stomach, something that God has been saying to you over and over <clears throat> for the last little while, and you know you should be doing it, and you're not, you will not have peace. If God's asking you to step out in faith into something, you must do it. If you do, you will have peace. And finally, it comes to really thanksgiving and prayer. Philippians 4, uh, Paul actually gives us a command here. Do not be anxious about anything. It's not a suggestion. Now, <laughs> I've had arguments with my mum. My I love my mum very much, by the way. <laughs> but uh, she does, uh, the conversations I've had with her over time have been really useful for sermons um, because she, I used to tell her not to worry, not to worry, and she's like, oh, one day, wait till you're a dad and you'll be a worrier, and uh, it's, I'm a mum and mum's worry, and so on and so forth. Um, and I've had to learn a lot from her and, and as I've grown up as well that, you know, it's easier said than done to not worry about things. But it doesn't change the Scripture. It doesn't change what God says, and my mum knows this too. We're commanded to not be anxious about anything. And Paul says, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Don't be anxious. Give it to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In Psalm 34, probably David wrote it, <clears throat> When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord heals and delivers them out of all their troubles. In 1 John 1, 9, John writes, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not part, but whole, as we were singing, all sin will be forgiven. And in Romans 7, as I read, where Paul said, the things I don't want to do, he finishes by saying, what a wretched man I am, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? And in 25, he says, thanks be to God, who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. But thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. I want to finish by encouraging you to say that be at peace knowing that you are at war with your flesh. You know, if, if anything, you know, this is, I think that's what people confused, you say, well, we should be at peace, but, but I get really upset because I do the wrong thing. Well, be at peace with that, because at least you're in distress that you're doing the wrong thing. That's a sign that you're close to God. If there is no war with your flesh, with sin, with doing wrong things, then you're in big trouble, because basically you've just went, I give up. I'll let the flesh rule. And as I said earlier, as the years go by, you will uncover more and more of your flesh, and God will continue to work in and through you. That's what, just one of these things. It's, I always find that this, the sin thing is a hard thing to grasp, you know, because Paul's saying the sin I want to do, I don't want to do, I do, and it's not really me that's doing it, and it's, it's still very confusing. And I don't even want to attempt to give us a, a really clear explanation of how that all works. 
But what I do know is that when we just don't bother and we think, oh, well, or you think, oh, I did that, but it doesn't really matter, that's when we're really in trouble. And that's when we won't have peace. But if we know at the end of the day that we can look back and say, oh, I could have done better in that situation, or I could have said that, or I shouldn't have said that, then be at peace. God loves you. God has grace for you. God has mercy for you. And every second you can start again. And yes, we have to pick up pieces. And yes, God doesn't just always take the consequences away of failings and things, but he wants us to have peace. Clearly, he wants us to have peace and not to walk around chastising ourselves. I always think of uh, Martin Luther. I mean, I may have got this wrong. You may be able to correct me, Ross, but I believe that Martin Luther really struggled with uh, the scripture that said, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And I believe, maybe, maybe I'm making this up, but I believe he became a monk and he tried so hard and he just could not, could not be perfect and chastised himself and hated himself and really became so despondent as a Christian. <clears throat> Until, of course, he came to faith alone and that it is faith that saves. And we all know what happened with Martin Luther and his thesis and the Reformation and so on and so forth. But that was a place where I was at as a Christian where I thought, I'm not perfect, I'm never going to be perfect, and I really, really struggled. Um, and then kind of looking back, you go, how arrogant was it for me to think that somehow, you know, after a few years of being a Christian, that I'd have it all together? It's crazy. Be at peace when you're at war with your flesh. Because at least you're at war and God's on your side you will be victorious. But if you don't pick up your arms to fight against your flesh and the temptation and the accusations and deceptions of the evil one, then you will lose. Keep in step with the Spirit and take peace and take comfort from knowing that you are at war with your flesh and that you will be victorious. And love yourself. You have to if you're going to love others for a start. I mean, that's like love your neighbor as you love yourself. <laughs> Yeah, but what if I, I hate myself? Then I'm not going to be treating people very well. God wants us to love ourselves so that we can love our neighbors. I mean, Paul, I mean, Paul probably wasn't, you know, I did struggle with self-harm a long time ago, but it doesn't make Paul's words less, any less powerful when he says, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Love yourself. And here's another thing that's always helped me throughout my life when I've judged myself or felt bad. I have no right to judge myself. Who am I to judge myself next to God? I'm a nobody. God judges me. So do not judge yourself and condemn yourself. God has already passed sentence, and you are free to go. Romans 8.1, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God has no beef with you. And what shall we say? <clears throat> if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him, him up for all of us, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Join Paul in his new day's resolution. And what I mean by that is he's writing to the church in Philippi, and he says, this was actually my baptism verse given to me by Brian Talbot. Some of you may know Brian Talbot. Um, 
from the Baptist Union. He's gone on about, you know, if there are people there who think, oh, I'm so great and I'm so wonderful and I obey the law and I'm a really good Jew and so on and so forth. And Paul says, well, yeah, 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 yeah. You think you've got things to boast about? Well, look at my list. I was this and I was that. But he goes on to say, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on, to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, and here's a new, new day's resolution for us, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. Forget last year, it's gone. Put yesterday behind you, it's gone. Put this last hour behind you. <laughs> it's gone. And put the last minute behind you. Be wise. Do the right thing. Trust God. Accept His discipline. How do we do that? By keeping in step with the Spirit. How do we do that? By praying and offering thanksgiving. And as Jesus said to His disciples, and as the apostles wrote to the churches, grace and peace to you. Amen.